Welcome to this episode of the Great Mind Series podcast, brought to you by Innoversity. Innoversity, the learning experts. Welcome to this edition of Innoversity's Great Mind Series. We are excited. I'm excited. I'm just thrilled to have on Kristen Hadid. Um, Kristen is the uh, is the founder of a company called Student Made, which is uh, located in Florida, but now expanding. Um, Kristen is one of those people that you have a conversation with her, and afterwards, just you feel better about the world, you feel better about yourself. Um, such a compelling story. And uh, Kristen, I've told your story to dozens of people, but uh, and I'm almost kind of tempted to tell it myself because it's just so cool. But can you tell us a bit of your story, who you are, where you came from, what you did, and what you're doing now? Of course. So I, it was never my intention to start a company in college. I came to the University of Florida. I was studying finance. And the reason I chose finance is because I went on monster.com and searched the highest paying jobs for college grads and investment banking was pretty high on the list. So I changed my major to finance and I thought I would graduate and move to New York and make a big salary and work on Wall Street. And that's what I thought would happen for me, but that's not what happened. I was very broke as most college students are and wanted to make some extra money to buy a pair of jeans that I fell in love with that I could not afford. And I knew my parents would never buy them for me. They were $99. Your, your, your parents are good people, by the way. Yes. And if you knew my dad, fashion is not an emergency uh, ever. So he would never buy them for me. But they said no. Um, you know, they, they uh, said, get a job if, if this is something that you want to buy, which I anticipated they would say. And I didn't really want a job because my classes were so demanding. So instead, I thought, what is something I can do on my own? to just make 99 bucks, which is how much the jeans were. And I put an ad on, on uh, Craigslist to clean a house. And it's the first thing that popped into my mind. I don't even love cleaning. I just thought it would probably be pretty easy to clean someone else's house for 100 bucks. So that's what I did. And the same day, I had a potential client. She was a really busy mom. She had two kids, a really big house, and needed some help. So I showed up. The only thing I brought to clean her 5,000 square foot house was a sponge and a bottle of Windex. I had no idea. Uh, again, what in I my was mind, doing. that covers it. So, I, yeah. not my area of expertise either. Yeah. And she asked me how long it would take. I told her two hours. I was there for seven hours. <laughs> I, I was there after she put her children to bed. Um, but, you know, she paid me and I left and I bought the jeans and I thought, that was the end of the story. But but, she, but something it, in your brain fired at that moment too, right? You went, hmm. Yeah, well, I didn't really. Honestly, or not yet. You know, not not even yet. She okay. called me and said, hey, I, I really appreciated the help. I would love for you to clean my house every week. And even then, I thought, well, great way to make some money in college, but I'm moving to New York. So I started cleaning her house once a week. I forgot to take the Craigslist ad down. <laughs> so I have additional requests and I would take on some of those. And before I knew it, I was cleaning four or five days a week. But still, it was not a business to me. It was just mm-hmm. a way to get through school. Okay. I needed some help. Um, it was a lot of work. Hired my college boyfriend at the time. And that did not work. Uh, 
we broke That's up. That's surprising. That's really, <laughs> really shocking that that didn't work out right. Yeah. We broke up on the job. <laughs> and um, so I hired, yeah, hired my first real employee after that. Her name was Casey. And it didn't take me long to realize, well, I can just, you know, hire hire a few people to help with the cleaning and focus on getting us more business. Mm-hmm. And that's how it started. It was so innocent. And right before my senior year, I got offered a contract to clean hundreds of empty apartments. And I had to hire a bunch of people to handle the work. So I hired 60 students. And that was kind of the turning point. After that that summer, we cleaned all those apartments. The students really didn't want their work to end. So I kept looking for jobs for us. And then when I graduated, I turned down a job in finance to, uh, to stick with the company. So next week we will celebrate seven years, which I can't believe. Wow. Um, so Monday it'll be seven years and the company called student made, we are a cleaning service. Cleaning is still very much a part of the job description. Uh, we only hire students. So we hire high school students, college students, graduate students, cosmetology students. The the point is that while the student is focusing on their studies, we provide a job that's really flexible so they can focus on what's most important. And we have two locations in Florida. We've employed hundreds of people since opening our doors. And we have nine millennials who lead the um, day-to-day operations of the company. Okay. And how many people do you have right now? Well, it depends on the season. Right now, between the two locations, we're probably at close to 150 people. Okay. But then you flex up at various times to several hundred. Oh, yeah. We've had more than 500 people on on the team at at a given time. That's just incredible. That's just (laughs) one of my favorite stories. Truly, truly one of my favorite stories. So you um, are a millennial. Mm Mm-hmm. Your team is led by millennials. Um, what do people that are not millennials need to know about millennials? <laughs> Good question. Well, you know, I think when I started my my company, I was this, a typical millennial. All the stereotypes that we hear about this generation, I I was that. You know, I was entitled. I expected to to start off at a job making six figures. I didn't really understand what it took to get there. And when I had that contract my senior year, right right before my senior year, I didn't understand what leadership really was. I sat in this air-conditioned clubhouse with my feet propped up while all of my employees were scrubbing these filthy apartments. And I, I was a good person, and I, you know, I, I just didn't really know, like, what, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I don't, Th- this was you know? his first job that you had with this large apartment complex. Yes. And this was, I mean, you were in no way prepared to do this, right? You said yes, oh, no. and you had no idea what you were doing. And, no and way. Uh, how, how did you even get those people in the first place? So I, I had a friend who was the president of a fraternity, and he just sent out an email blast, and I had hundreds <laughs> of people apply for this job and hired 60 of them. They were all students. And, you know, the work was really hard. We were cleaning these empty, filthy college apartments. So here I am. I have no idea what it means to be a leader. I have no idea that this is a title I have to earn. You know, I think that I've just deserved this title because (laughs) I've started the business. So I'm in here in the clubhouse with my feet propped up eating a catered lunch while 60 of these people are cleaning these apartments. And they weren't happy because, you know, I wasn't a good leader. And instead of coming and talking to me about how they were feeling, on the third day, 45 of them quit at the same time. 
at 2.30. They, they all walked into the clubhouse and quit. In, and in mass, did they come all together? Did they come the individually? Really? Like, so they 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 were. Uh, yeah, there was a collective opinion here, right? And <laughs> I, you know, I had a choice in that moment. I could have given up or called my parents, you know, and said I just I give up. I don't know what to do. I I could have backed out of the contract. You know, that was option one, just to give up. Or option two was to try to get these people back and make this work. And I I chose that option. And it was the first time that I learned really what leadership is about. And I had to kind of own up to my mistakes. I had this meeting at my house and I called all 45 of those people. And I apologized for being the leader that I was. And I admitted I had no idea what I was doing. And by the end of this conversation, we were chanting student made. And, you know, we were all so excited to go back to the apartments and we Mm. became a team. And I learned little things like, you know, it's important to know the names of your employees and a little bit about them and treat them as people. And so, but, but the reason I bring this up is that is what our world could look like um, when millennials are in the workplace. You know, in 2020, we're going to be 75% of the workforce. And I fear that leaders will sit like I sat, you know, people who think that they just deserve these these titles, even though they haven't really earned them, not because they don't care, but because they don't understand what it takes to earn them. And then on the other hand, people who, when they're upset about something, instead of facing the issue, instead of confronting the issue, just quitting because that's that's what happened in that situation. And I think that it is easy to, to point the finger at millennials, you know, Yes, we're addicted to our cell phones. Yes, you know, when you say you want to talk to us, we assume it means we're getting fired. You know, we we make it difficult. You want to start a conversation and you see we have our our headphones in and you get frustrated and walk the other way. But I I think that other generations need to see their role in in the mess that we've kind of created here because, you know, we got our first cell phone when we were in middle school and we were asked to check in with our parents. So we grew up with a cell phone. And the reason why we ask for a promotion on the second day of work and we don't understand that it's not appropriate to do that is because when we grew up, we heard you can do anything you want. You know, that was the message we heard. You're special, you're great. And we weren't told otherwise. So we expect that that's just going to happen. Um, so I think that where I've, where I spend my time now is sort of bridging that gap. You know, how can Mm -hmm. we create a place where everyone can work together and thrive, where we can bring out the best in everyone, no matter what generation you're a part of, because if older generations want to retire, we have to be able to come together and fix this. And what will the generations look like after us if millennials are who you're looking up to? Yep. You, you and I met at a, uh, at a small conference in the Rocky mountains. Mm-hmm. That was led by Simon Sinek, and Simon brought you in to talk to a number of us uh, that run companies that are not millennials. I think most of us, I think maybe almost all of us, were baby boomers, and that was a fascinating conversation because um, you were teaching and we were listening, and we were trying to understand the needs of people in a generation that wasn't our own. Um, and that's tricky. That's there's there's certainly parallels. I, I I think back to when I was in my twenties, and I, I I can certainly see some parallels to my relationship with the generation behind me. But I you you were you were very instructive, and that's and part of it was the compelling nature of your story. But part of it is too just your thoughtfulness on um, who millennials are 
and and who they aren't, and uh, some warnings about be careful to uh, being careful not to stamp everybody with the same stamp, um, which was a message I heard pretty clearly. The 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 people that you're talking to today mm-hmm. are primarily involved in human resources. Most of them are part of large companies. Um, many of them, almost all of them, are involved in some way in learning or training or development, helping to grow a next generation of leaders. Um, mm-hmm. What insights can you give us on what those of us in, in the learning, training, and development industry, what insights can you give us to help us understand do's and don'ts, um, things we need to emphasize, things we need to understand to do our jobs better? It's a great question. And, you know, what I got... After the first couple of phone calls I received from parents of our employees saying, hey, my son can't work tomorrow because he has to study for his test or mm-hmm. an angry parent who calls because their child got negative feedback about a cleaning that they that they did or a parent who wants to be a part of the interview with their child. That's terrifying, by the way. Yeah. I, I have three yeah. boys and, and you know, you've met uh, two, I think, of, yes. my, of my three boys. Yeah, they're about your age, and uh, that as a parent, I look at that and go, "What? What are you doing? What are yes. you doing here?" Yes, and I remember thinking, you know, my parents would never do that, and that's when I realized the training program that we need to have here is not about cleaning. You know, it's it's got to be a program that really teaches these young people the skills they need to be successful because. They, their hand is being held every step of the way, and that is not how the real world is. So we decided to focus mainly on interpersonal skills um, for the first big portion of our training. So before our employees are trained on how to dust or vacuum, we're teaching them things like how to listen and how to give feedback and how to take feedback and how to build relationships. Let's, and, let's stop there a minute and think about sure. that. Sure. So before you, before you teach somebody how to do their job, Mm-hmm you actually teach them how to be a person. Mm-hmm. That's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and you know, I think it, it, it takes, especially when you're in HR and your role is, you know, to, to try to figure out how can we create a training program for these millennials that really, you know, you, you want them to thrive in your culture. So how, how are we going to do that from the beginning? And I think it takes an understanding of where they've come from. And the, the common themes that I see, we lack confidence. The reason we lack confidence is because we've never failed. We, were, we grew up, many of us, with helicopter parents who were protecting us because they loved us. You know, not, certainly not because they wanted to hurt us. But That's interesting because, I, again, I'm a baby boomer, I'll admit it. But I, I, I look at the, ba- at, the, at the millennial generation and what, it, what presents itself to me and other people is actually overconfidence. But really? you're saying we're misdiagnosing that. I think so. It, it's, it's you know, this, when you, when you, maybe some of you can empathize with this, you give a millennial a project and you say, run with it. And they almost become paralyzed with indecision. It's like, mm. which, which what, what do I do? Which way do I go? Because they're so petrified to mess up because they haven't really messed up before. And the last mm. place they want to mess up is at work <clears throat> and their first real job. So... You know, we, we have created an environment where we support failure and we make that clear at the very beginning. And we say, look, the only way you're going to grow, the only way you're going to build your own confidence and self-reliance is by messing up and getting through it yourself. So 
we tell them we're going to support you. We're going to stand beside you. It doesn't matter if you mess up. It doesn't matter if the outcome is, is not ideal. As long as you keep our values in mind and the decisions that you make are always made with our values in mm-hmm. mind, you don't have to worry about losing your job. And we have 14 year olds who have complete autonomy in their jobs. They are confident problem solvers. They can handle the craziest situations, things that you would think a 14 year old could never handle, mm-hmm. but it's because we've throw them out there and we're like, look, things are going to be, things are going to happen. You're going to make the wrong choice and it's going to be okay because that's the only way you learn. We can protect you from everything, but then you're not going to leave here any better than when you came in. Mm. So I would challenge, you know, in leadership, you think, well, the right thing to do is to help the, the people who we lead to not watch them struggle to be their support. But I challenge you to ask, are you a crutch for anyone? Are you, you know, solving the problems for the person are when things get hard, are you taking it off of their plate? Hmm. Because it's, that's a, you know, leadership is parenting. And what we're doing there is we're, we're helicopter leaders, you know, we're protecting our people from making mistakes and actually hurting them because they're not able to grow and become more confident. That's really hard to do. It's really hard to you do. You know, it, it's it's <clears throat> our team is is uh, at university is growing continuously, and uh, it's it's really hard to see somebody make a mistake in process and not go. Uh, uh, wait, I stop. You know, I, I just just to 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 let them go. Yeah. So that they can learn. That's really hard to do. You've done that, and and you've been doing that. How 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 does that work? You know, so I'll, I'll tell you why I do it. When I first incorporated my company, my dad is an attorney and he warned me, make sure that this name that you want to incorporate under isn't already trademarked, you know, that another company doesn't already have this name. He gave me the link. And I, of course, was impulsive and a know-it-all and I did not look it up. And I had a business loan that I had worked so hard to get. $10,000 loan was all I could get at my age with my experience, Mm -hmm. I blew the whole loan. I had this name, this business name on every single thing that I, that I purchased with my loan. It was on our spray bottles, our vacuums, you know, business cards, shirts, everything. And sure enough, I got a call from an attorney who said, Hey, you're infringing on our trademark. This is a national franchise. If I would have just done a Google search, I would have learned that this name belonged to someone else. (laughs) I had to throw every single thing away that I had just bought. So, you know, $10,000 worth of stuff is gone. And I found out my dad knew. My dad knew that the name was taken and he let me make the mistake. And at the time I was so angry. I mean, I, I, I don't think I talked to him for a month. I, was, I couldn't imagine, like, how, how could you do this to your kid? How could you let your kid ta- make a $10,000 mistake? And now I realize what he did for me. I mean, because yeah. had he protected me, I would have made the same mistake again. I now do my research and it's because of that. Right. So I wanted to create the same environment for my employees. And it's so hard. And I think what helps me is I just remember that if I really love them and I really care about them, like I say I do, then I'll do the hard thing, which is to let them fail. Hmm. That, yeah, that, that, the story of your dad, I've, uh, you've told me that story before. I love that story. I've, I've taken your father has been a, uh, a, a source of inspiration for me. So <laughs> please pass that along to him. Um, how else are you training? What other kinds of things? So are you, you're training them in communication. You're training them in uh, not just their job skills, but in, in more human mm-hmm. skills, broader than that. How, how are you doing that? 
Right. So a big part of our training has to do with communication and feedback. We explain, you know, that the words we speak are 10% of communication and the other 90 are things like your tone and your, your body language. And the way that we primarily communicate in our generation is through texting. And so we show why texting is not the best way to communicate about things that are important. You know, it's supposed to be for little details, like what time are we meeting and not real stuff. Mm-hmm. And when we see these people come in our doors, it's like they, they forgot. They don't know how to be a human. They don't know how to look at you in the eye. They don't know how to have a conversation. They choose to confront issues over text versus telling you face to face how they feel. So we decided we're not we're not going to build a place like that. So we actually we don't text in our company when it comes to anything that is about feedback or um, checking in with somebody that is always face to face or a phone call. We only text about quick detail things that don't really matter. Um, and then we teach that, that feedback is good. You need feedback to grow and to learn from it. And when we give people feedback, we, we have people cry, quit, mm-hmm. parents who call. And it's hard, but after a couple of times, they realize, wow, this is really helping me become better. And it's a two-way street. So we accept feedback from them. And we, we teach a way to give feedback in a way that's, um, that's specific. We uh, encourage recognition the same, you know, the same way. And it's created a place where at any time an employee can come up to me and tell me something that I could be doing better. And it is totally comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. And for me, and if you think about it, you know, someone who is 19 years old confronting their, their boss is hard. Right. So, and if we, if we go back to why are, why are millennials this way? Well, let's think about it. I mean, we weren't given real feedback. We got a trophy even when we didn't hit the ball once all <laughs> soccer season, you know, right. it's, it's like, we were told you're great. You're awesome. You, you got an A, even though you probably deserved a C and now we're at work and someone's telling us, actually, you're not so great. You messed this up and we don't know how to handle it. So you have to, you have to train people. You can't just give feedback and expect it to work. You have to train mm-hmm. people, um, men, maybe millennials particularly, but maybe everybody on how to give it, how to receive it, and mm-hmm. um, y- you build a particular culture of trust in, in doing that. Um, you have a wall. Tell us about your wall. Yeah, so we really believe in recognition. We also believe measurement is important to anyone, not just to millennials. You know, you go to work every day, you want to know how your work is contributing to the bigger picture and that the work you're doing really matters. So we we survey our clients and we post the uh, the survey results on a wall that we call, it's called the wow wall. Mm-hmm. It's where we post all of our great um, reviews. And when you watch the students come in, they will drop their cleaning supplies. And the first thing they do is run over to that wall. They want to see if they're on the wall, who else on the team's on the wall. They're congratulating one another. We have a bell that we ring when people walk in the door who've done a really awesome job. And um, we kind of congratulate them in front of the group. So recognition and celebration is a huge part of our culture. I think it's really important for millennials because I think the millennial generation, we're very purpose-driven. We, we want to contribute, I think, but I think any, everyone wants to contribute. I, I think too. Yeah. You know, that's, that's a common thing. So it's, it's really critical that, you, that we figure out a way to show that the work matters and measure it somehow. So I, I would challenge, you know, if a cleaning company can figure out how to do it, if, if it's as simple as posting surveys and telling our students how they did at these houses in front of other people and ringing a bell, you know, what could you do in your organization? 
So that's interesting. They need feedback. They need it quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also have to prepare their hearts and minds for how to receive that and probably for how to give it. Right. Interesting. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so, Kristen, I warned you, we do this with uh, most everybody we do uh, podcasts with. I, I ask them to tell me their favorite story. It can be about themselves. It can be about somebody else. It can be an opportunity that they had to make a difference in the life of someone. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us one of your favorite stories. My favorite story would have to be the story of Mrs. Byron. So, Miss Byron... She was an elderly woman. Her son called us on behalf of her. Um, They needed a cleaning service for her because she just couldn't really take care of her apartment anymore because she was getting older. But her son warned me, he said, she's really grumpy. She's really old and really grumpy. And you have to send somebody who has really thick skin because to be honest, I don't even want to be around my own mom. That's how grumpy Mm. she is. So we had a student, her name was Megan, and she was the most upbeat, positive, like a ray of sunshine. And I asked her if she was up for the challenge and she said yes. And so she started cleaning Miss Byron's house. And sure enough, Miss Byron became a more positive person. So her son actually would call to increase the frequency of the cleanings because it was helping right. his relationship with his mom. And unfortunately, uh, her health kind of took a turn and she went to hospice. And so her son called and said, we have to cancel the cleanings. And of course we, we understood that. And then she's in hospice. And a couple of days later, he calls again and says, you won't believe this. My mom's in hospice. They're, they're saying it's going to be, you know, any day. And I asked her, what do you want? And she said, the only thing she wants is Megan. Wow. So we sent Megan to the, to hospice and she held Miss Byron's hand as she passed away. And wow. I think, I mean, this is one of my favorite stories because this is the story where I realized we're not a cleaning company. Right. You know, when you, when you create a place that really brings out the best in people, they do good for other people. They, they bring out the best in the people around them. And that's what Megan did for Miss Byron. And what a special, I mean, what a special way to contribute to Miss Byron's life and to be there mm-hmm. for her when she passed away, you know, and Megan will never forget that. But had we not created a culture where we keep these things in mind, I don't know if that would have ever happened. So it's, I, I remind myself with that story that it's so much more than cleaning houses. Yeah. And the opportunity to do good in the world and, and a, just to highlight a word you said, just the opportunity to do good in the world by creating a particular kind of culture based on your values, your mission, your vision, and then living up to it. Those mm-hmm. are, uh, that's just a, a profound combination. Absolutely. Well, Kristen, it is always uh, just a, a pure joy to talk to you and hear uh, your story again and, and, uh, and, and be given the opportunity to learn from you. So thank you so much for joining us on the Great Mind Series. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I always enjoy talking to you. Your questions are so thoughtful, and um, this is a topic that I'm, obviously really passionate about. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to do this with you. I'm going to do one plug at the end. Sure. <laughs> um, give us your website. It's um, studentmade.com is the company site. And then my site is kristenhadid.com. And that on that site, there's more information about my speaking. And we have a book coming out 
of next year. That's what I was going to ask you. How's it going? You're writing it now? <laughs> I'm writing it now. Excellent. It's going slowly. <laughs> good, good. Well, it will be a, it'll, it'll make a big difference in a lot of people's lives. Thanks for your time today, Kristen. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Great Mind Series podcast. Please be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes and share the word with your family and friends. The Great Mind Series is brought to you today by Innoversity. Innoversity, the learning experts.